Our latest guest on Lockdown Soundtracking is the wonderful Nitin Sony. It's hard to know where to begin when it comes to summarising his career. So diverse has it been. Suffice to say, he's made considerable contributions to just about every single creative art form from film, TV and video game scores to theatre, poetry and dance. He's also collaborated with some of the biggest names in the music business, including Sir Paul McCartney, Sting, Anushka Shankar, A.R. Rahman and many, many, many more. So perhaps the best place to start is with his latest single from the album Immigrants, which is due in September. It's called You Are, and I absolutely adore it. You are my religion. You are my land. You hold ambition within your hand. You are my journey. You are my ground. It's, it's all, as you know, I mean, it's just bonkers. And I haven't actually been out since lockdown. Um, You've not, like, been out in the fresh air? No. Uh, well, I have been, as in, in my courtyard, but I haven't been, well, because I'm asthmatic. And the thing is, yeah. I was reading about the idea of aerosols in, in it, that can linger up to 30 minutes in the air um, if somebody coughs or sneezes. So you could walk into one of those. So I just thought... I'm not going to risk that. Just yeah. But, you know, so I thought, well, I'll wait till till there's more information on on what's next. But um, it's I do miss grass. <laughs> I really miss grass. I haven't seen. I mean, that that kind of Aww. grass. Grass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a strange thing because I I kind of uh, in terms of movies. I mean, the whole fi- the whole world feels like a giant zombie movie without zombies at the moment. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, although there's a few kicking around. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird how it's almost become the norm in a way, isn't it? Like you kind oh, of, yeah. it's just like, oh, this is kind of what we've got to do. You just got to get on with it. It's weird. What I what I do like is how fresh the air is um, yeah. because of the lack of pollution. Um, that's amazing. But I mean, Jesus, you know, to, to it's it's almost too overwhelming to think about how many people have, have we've lost yeah, to I this know. crazy thing. But I mean, you know, it's. Um, yeah, um, having said that, I mean, you know, I moved the studio here just be- to, to my house just before lockdown. So literally on the day of lockdown. So I, I turned around to Tina and Harry, who, who worked with me, and I just said, um, we need to move the studio to my house. And they, they, I think they thought I was a bit crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, no, I just got a feeling, you know. And, and so we did. And literally, wow. as we finished setting it up, they announced the lockdown. I was like, oh, well, thank God for that then. Um, That's so I've amazing. Got, got, what ins- insight. See. Yeah, I've yeah. got all my, <gasps> all my gear here. So I've got all my, 
stuff uh, kicking around so it's it's actually so i've been able to be stay creative well um i've been listening to this new single you are on repeat it is the perfect oh. i don't know it just sums up so much of right now it's just it's kind of crazy, like weirdly, like with you talking about, you know, you had the foresight to move the studio into the house before this happened. It's almost like this, you knew this was coming and you knew we would need this piece of music because from the words to the melody, to the subtleness of it and the kind of almost like the bareness of it, it's just, oh, it's gorgeous. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it was, it was a strange thing writing it because when I was, I wrote the lyrics first, I wrote it as a poem. And I was kind of like thinking about the idea of, of immigration and isolation, mm-hmm. weirdly. And I was, I was, and also the idea of people uh, who have one companion, and and then and then thinking about it in in symbolic terms. So it was kind of a metaphor as well of our relationship with with the nation and with you know. So there's so many layers to it in terms of what I was feeling at the time. Yeah. Um, and then and then I just put I just you know, wrote the song and wrote the, the music and then, uh, and then the natural person to get to sing it was Eva, who's mm. who's got a gorgeous voice. And, um, and she was uh, the singer on the last single I did down the road, um, which yeah. is also kind of bizarrely prescient as well. And not, not intentionally so, but these, uh, these songs seem to kind of be, you know, kind of relevant lyrically and in terms of the feel, uh, which I'm very happy about in one way, but very sad about in another. And then getting Anna, um, Anna Phoebe to play violin, and uh, and Ashwin uh, recorded the Bansuri in India. Yeah, I mean it was it was a very emotional track to make. <laughs> and so, when did you write the poem? Then, how long ago did you write the lyrics? I wrote the lyrics last year, and uh, it was in it. It was with all of the demonization. I mean, you know, this next album, as as uh, I think you might know, is um, is going to be called Immigrants. Yeah. And so, um, this is from this is the second single that's from that. Um, and that's coming out in September. And the thing, the thing is that I, I really wanted to respond to the constant demonization of immigrants. And, um, you know, if we're looking at the NHS right now and how many BAME 
workers have, have lost their lives protecting all of us. You know, it's amazing when I think as well about my parents and um, how they were always thinking about other people. They never thought about themselves and mm. they came here f- to give a better life to their children, you know. And, yeah. and I kind of think it's, um, there's something very selfless about the immigrants in this country that, that is not a story that's told very often. And so, so I guess at that time I was writing a lot about my feelings um, uh, about immigrants and, and trying to empathise with, uh, with a mindset as well of what it would take as well to get to, to, to move from one place to another. Also now, it's those feelings of isolation, of, of, um, of not being understood and, and being on your own or maybe with one, just, just one companion. It's really interesting because I kind of feel like there's been a real lack in the, you know, not not kind of cro- across the board, but I think music has kind of has lacked a real sense of purposeful voice, if that's the right way to put it. In terms of you know, you think back to like the seventies and all the kind of protest songs and all these amazing pieces of music um, and lyrics that were written that had a real kind of opinion and point of view and were were speaking for a whole kind of collection of people. And I feel like we've we've really been lacking that kind of um, over the last few years. And it's, it's such a shame that it's taken the severity of the situations that we've watched so many people go through for that to then kind of come at fruition as well. And, you know, we were talking to Riz Ahmed a couple of weeks ago and he's made a whole album and this... Long goodbye. Um, Brilliant Oh my God, album. have you seen the short film as well? That, oh yeah, my yeah, God, very it's powerful. incredible. I mean, I've known Riz for a long time. He's, a, he's amazing. And, and, um, you know, Where You From, I think, is a really powerful, short, uh, short kind of poem, really. Yeah. And um, I mean, but, but at the same time, there's people like Kate Tempest as well. Who, Absolutely. Who, you know, yeah. That's felt, what I mean. I mean there's the, been this sort of, there's been the kind of, there's been the kind of few who have kind of, there's a real purpose to what they're saying. And it's, you know, it's, I always feel like with you, when your music has had lyrics to it, you know, and you do this, you, you have these worlds where you don't have lyrics in your music, but in the world where you do, there's always purpose to them. There's always oh, something you. being said for the good of other people, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I always try to make everything that I do cathartic first. And, and so it's what I'm feeling or it'll capture. And, and it might not be literal. It might be just an abstract way of capturing a feeling that I have at that mm. moment or even a, a semi-dream state that I might be in or, or whatever. I mean, I, I think there's something about, you know, when you're, when you're an artist, you know, you're, you're tapping into a zeitgeist all the time. And it's like, I think we have a symbiotic relationship with society, with everything that's around us. And strangely now, you know, we're having that relationship through a world of isolation. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, so it's kind of that filter or that prism that we're kind of looking through to, 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 to look out the world. Um, and that kind of is such a strange feeling. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, especially when I'm talking about or thinking a lot about immigrants and the immigrant experience, it's kind of a, it's a weird you know, thing to actually be so trapped and, and yeah. isolated and, and thinking about all of that. I think that this, this, this track, and I'm really excited about hearing the rest of the album. You say it's coming in September. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, working on it. And, um, and I've, I've really enjoyed some of the collaborations. I'm, I'm kind of continuing to do that. Um, you know, this morning, it was really nice um, just to kind of be talking to Ashwin Srinivasan, who plays Bansuri beautifully and is a great singer from from india and what his experiences are as well and um what he's going through because again it's kind of it's very strange for him because in india which is where they're so used to noise constantly you know everything is suddenly very still and very quiet 
And I think this is the thing as well. I mean, I was talking to Sanjeev Bhaskar as well, um, just literally just before we spoke, um, before we're speaking now. And um, he was talking about the peace. You know, he was saying it, it's just so peaceful right now. Um, and, uh, and that's something I hope we can hang on to after yeah. all this madness is over because that peace is so precious right now. Yeah. It's weird. It's like it's made me... Um... You know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, being, being isolating with my kids and my husband and, um, you know, and I love spending time with my kids and I do a lot with my kids, but this is kind of, this is another level sort of thing, you know, in terms of I'm mm. homeschooling, I'm doing all this kind of thing, but <laughs> it's, um, I'm really bad at so many subjects I hadn't realized as well. It's like, I thought my knowledge was pretty varied. No. Um, <laughs> but it's that thing where I feel like it's almost encouraging me because I've got nowhere to go almost. So it's like, well, there's no need to rush. There's no need to feel like you have to do that now because there's nowhere for you to go. So be in the moment, be in the mm. now. And yeah. that's the thing I really hope that I take away from this experience is to really sort of be more present and rather be going, oh God, I've got to go there and I've got to do that. It's so, and, and I think it is that weird thing of, you know, this weird situation that we have no control about what we're being, what's, you know, why we're doing this, but we just have to do it. It's like, try and see the positives in it. Try and pull out a positive from it and try yeah. and, you know, there's mm. so many bad things going on and such sadness going on with the amount of people mm. that are dying and, and, mm. and illness and the incredible work that all these care workers are doing and, and everyone sort of thing. And, but it's that kind of thing, try and find the positives out of it. You have to try and just... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely right. I think, I mean, creativity for me has been, I mean, it's always my sanctuary anyway. And, and you know, I grew up as a musician. I mean, most musicians I know grew up in isolation that was self-imposed. You know, when you, <laughs> when you sit in practice for, for ages, you know, you, you're kind of used to, you're used to that. And, yeah. and so, I mean, I'm kind of doing the same thing I used to do when I was a kid. So I'm sitting around practicing a lot of guitar, practicing a lot of piano and writing a lot. And then also, you know, interfacing with friends and collaborating with them as well. You know, yeah. we, we did um, the PRS uh, lockdown gig the other day uh, for, for musicians, um, which we really enjoyed and uh, was a lot of fun to do as well. So this is another string, you know, you have these incredible kind of hats that you, you, you know, you wear and these plates that you spin, you know, um, there, there are so many and you, so you've become the chair of the PRS, is that right? Yeah, yeah, and the PRS Foundation, Foundation, not the PRS for Music, which is, yeah. so the PRS Foundation is a charitable arm of uh, PRS for Music and uh, it, it works on um, helping uh, to bring through new work and, um, and new artists as well. I mean, um, uh, Little Sims came through um, the PRS Foundation, Amazing. you know, it's, it's actually really great i mean lots of people i know i mean anna phoebe is a grantee who works with plays beautiful violin on the new track you know a lot of people that i know have had help from the prs foundation so to be the chair is an incredible honor that's amazing and so this so you know the idea as well and we see we're, we're watching these artists you know around the world try and find a way of exploring their creativity live because you know that's the one thing that we can't really do is kind of go to live gigs and mm. would you have been on tour at the minute would you've been playing live yeah yeah yeah, oh. yeah we had quite a few gigs and and yeah we've got, we've got quite a few gigs lined up that i you know that obviously we can't do now but i mean it's um it's weird also because we're used to seeing each other and working together quite frequently. So it's kind yeah. of, that's a weird thing is that we're not going to see each other for who knows how long, but it was good that we actually were able to collaborate online. And I think I'm going to be doing a lot more of that 
which is good and and definitely you know for a cause like that which is raising money for struggling musicians i mean yeah that that's uh i mean because musicians right now as you're rightly saying you know their main source of income is for most of them is is live gigs but also to, to actually put music out there um which in recent years has become much more difficult with streaming and so on so so it's very hard for musicians right now how do you make a decision on who you're going to collaborate with yeah that's a big one i mean it's <laughs> well it's kind of uh, it's people that i i quite often know or am friends with or, or find interesting um or have just tried something out and then i'll think oh it'd be amazing to do something with them and it might not be even a musician. It might be someone with spoken word or it might be someone doing something totally different. Um, you know, obviously working with dancers like Akram Khan or, or um, working with film directors like Andy Serkis or at the moment I'm talking to David Harewood about doing, uh, doing a little project together oh, uh, which will be online. And, uh, and we've known each other a long time. And, uh, yeah. you know, so it's, it's nice to actually kind of reconnect with some people as well and, and try something unexpected i mean i i like to do things that don't feel too predictable so it kind of it feels like this is you know an opportunity to try out uh, new ways of thinking well i think one of the last times i saw you in person was at the roundhouse for the jack bruce um, oh yeah oh yeah gig yeah. that yeah. you you were the music um director, what, director yeah. for yeah. that yeah. which was this amazing celebration of of jack's musical life really when yeah. you know his daughters were involved in it and this amazing collection ginger baker, ginger baker. oh my god i know <laughs> yeah oh man i know in i can't imagine it. Your love. Your love. <laughs> yeah. it's getting near dawn when lights close the tired eyes i'll soon be with you my love surprise I'll be with you darling soon I'll be with you when the stars start falling I've been waiting so long to be where I'm going in the sun but that was a brilliant thing and I think that's the thing about that I love about you and I was lucky enough that we got to spend a bit of time together when we did the Sky and Guitar Star series and Mm. and you just you're this kind of you know music is music for you it's not about genre it's not about Mm. you know a box it's just about what you like and what you know kind of is emotional to you as well has it always been that way yeah i think i think music was i mean you know luckily uh, i mean i i kind of grew up listening to so many different types of music um and and uh, you know we'd have we'd have kind of you know i'd be listening to led zeppelin and uh, and the doors next to pandit g ravi shankar and next <laughs> to uh, some cuban music and, and a flamenco guitarist and my dad had a very eclectic record collection he loved music he just liked, liked music from all around the world that you and and i'd sit there looking at the sleeve notes on the vinyl you know and just reading through them over and over and kind of really excited and and i would get excited by great album covers you know and um, and it was kind of like you know I, I guess all of that felt like i i kind of developed a taste for music and the possibilities of music and storytelling yeah. through music Absolutely. you know a lot of the, a lot of the bands i really loved and lots of artists i really loved well, people who could really tell great stories through their music, whether it might be through 
uh, and that's you know goes for film composers obviously as well and and that's probably why I've ended up doing a lot of that work is um is because you know it's about as it's about catharsis first and expression second but it's always about narrative yeah so I, I kind of I really enjoy that and and um you know it's I mean there's a really weird narrative to how life has turned out for me in relation to that I mean you know I've, I've said before I mean Pandit Ravi Shankar I, I was listening to all the time when I was seven six or seven years old and and now you know just the other day there I was um doing a collaboration in isolation with uh, Anishka Shankar yeah. his daughter and we did that to uh, you know to celebrate the anniversary of Ravi Shankar the 100th um the centenary that was you know, a version of fathers yeah 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 that's right that was a very emotional thing because um, both our fathers passed away when we were making that album and uh, I was producing and uh, we had Nora Jones on there and um, who, who also sung a, a song called Unsaid which is really beautiful about all the all the stuff that she never got to say to her father. Love wasn't left unsaid Thank you that was left unsaid You know, it was bizarre that both of us lost our fathers um, within months of each other during mm -hmm. the making of that record. So it was a very powerful thing. But um, uh, I mean, Nishi was amazing and lovely mm -hmm. friend. And, you know, but it's kind of, you know, like I said, there's been a narrative to certain things, you know, like where, where I, I would be listening to certain artists and focusing on them a lot um, early on in life. They've kind of appeared later on in my actual real life, which is kind of weird, you know, um, meeting Jimmy Page and, and Robert Plant independently uh, mm -hmm. working with um, working with Sting 
um, you know, obviously Paul McCartney, you know, people who were characters in a way in my early life, um, I've ended up working with or getting to know a little bit, you know, and that's, um, that's kind of a surreal thing. What, can you remember what the, what the films were when, that you remember growing up or that really mm. resonated with you in terms of the importance of the music as part of that whole world? Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. Well, when I was young, I, I used to stay up with my uncle and watch all kinds of films. So I watched, I remember seeing Psycho when I was eight or nine. Wow. And just thinking, and being blown away by it and terrified by it. But the music absolutely was what stayed with me and Bernard Herrmann became a big inspiration. So um, I saw the Spaghetti Westerns as well when mm-hmm. I was a kid. So, um, so there was Ennio Morricone, who, who was my god, you know, as far as I was concerned. I mean, I just could not believe how beautiful that music was yeah. in those films. But also um, how, again, how it told the story so yeah. well. up a lot with um, a love of Indian cinema and particularly you know again with uh, Suffragette Ray's film uh, with Bhatta Panjali um, you know from the Apu trilogy Ravi Shankar did that score in one sitting so he he actually originally sat down and played um, I think it was for 
11 to 15 hours in one sitting and then uh, Substitute Ray actually took all of that music and uh, and and just took the bits that he liked and, and placed them around the film but um wow. but because of all the different with rog with Indian classical music the idea of a rog is that a rog is a bit like a scale um which actually uh is based on mood or times of day or whatever and, and rog literally means color so all of these different um uh, colours just came out in Ravi Shankar's playing and so it was possible for him to draw a beautiful score from it. there were so many I mean you mm. know I mean uh, when I remember a bit later just being absolutely floored by uh, Vangelis's uh, score to Blade Runner you know when I was uh, yeah. when I was kind of like, uh, quite a bit older But yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, all those all those composers for me were were legends, and and the people who really also, um, I, I just think uh, I was always trying to find uh, ways of emulating their ability to tell story and to, to get into narrative. I mean, one one thing that was a real privilege for me was doing the score for the Lodger uh, with the London Symphony Orchestra a few years ago, um, which is Alfred Hitchcock's uh, one of his early films, and I think from 1927. To score that was an unbelievable privilege and to, to actually conduct the London Symphony Orchestra doing it was quite amazing at the Barbican.
so you know i've had some amazing experiences that and again that's connecting with an early hero so it's like you know i've had all these opportunities to reconnect with my childhood and and all the people i admired when i was a kid oh man i want you to work with morricone surely that's got to be the Ah, well, the Holy Grail. Yeah, Maestro. <laughs> that's going to be that. That's going. Yeah, that would be I'd incredible. Have to stand in a very long line. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, interesting hearing people talk about you know when they approach him about about work and 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 whatnot. And I was lucky enough to speak to Tarantino about um, when he did the Hateful Eight and mm. about how he went. He yeah. sent him the script and asked him if he would write the music. And he said, "Oh, I've got loads of stuff lying around. You can have." And Quentin, like, kind of slightly cautiously and, and, and fearfully sort of said, I want you to write for it sort of thing. And he was like, oh, I'm not doing that. And then about a month later, he gets a message from him going, I'll do it. I love, I love what you've written. I'll do it sort of thing, which is kind of like, oh, my God, imagine getting that call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, like, if anyone anyone who ever would wanted to make a film would want Ennio Morricone, you know, I, I think most people I know would. the ability he had I mean first of all he what was great was that he used and this is what's interesting about being in isolation he turned a disadvantage to an advantage yeah. the fact that he couldn't get you know the budget or he wasn't able to get an orchestra so what he did was he got um, avant-garde kind of musicians and singers to actually and because he was a great trumpet player as well he was able to kind of find his way around and create something so unique and, and perfect you know it's it's amazing but he used I think if he hadn't had the constraint of having no orchestra I mm. think maybe some of that those great uh, moments in cinema history in, in terms of music would be lost well that's what I'm looking for so I heard that you were very busy I heard you on a radio show last week talking about you've got a tv show you're working on and a film as well and knowing that you play pretty much every instrument in the world and that you can't go anywhere and no one can come to you I'm very much looking forward to what those are going to sound like because well knowing that you can you know you're 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 a pretty dab hand at pretty much everything. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's really lovely working. In fact, straight after this, I'm uh, I'm uh, going to have a Zoom call with the with the director of one of the films. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really nice working with. Um, I mean, the the stuff that I'm working on, I'm really enjoying. And and as long as that's the case, you know, as long as I'm doing stuff that I that I enjoy engaging with, that's great. But I mean, it is a 
it is a weird time. I mean, there's two films that I was due to be doing um, later on that have both been cancelled or postponed indefinitely at the moment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, because production schedules, yeah, it's it's mad. I mean, obviously, no one's able to, in a conventional way, um, film anything right yeah. now. So what's lucky about this film is that he just had finished um, shooting it um, just a while before and, and the edit as well. Uh, most of the edit, so it's uh, it's in really good shape. This film, and I think it's a stunning film. It reminds me in places. I mean, I can't talk too much about it, but it reminds yeah. me in places of uh, Winter's Bone, that Jennifer Lawrence oh, film, which I love. I love that film. Yeah, yeah, it's such a great film, isn't it? And oh it's God, got yeah. it's got that feeling to it, which I think, wow, you know, it's it's a really it's a really nice film to be working on right now. That's all you can't tell us anything about it. Uh, it's it's <laughs> a well, it's a science fiction film. But it's a science oh, wow. fiction film that's very believable, you know, and uh, and it's kind of, uh, in a way, it's an environmental environmentalist film. But it's also, again, very much about isolation too. Mm-hmm. And it's it's set uh, where well, it's not set on this planet, but it's kind of like done in a way that is very scientifically uh, credible and yeah. and very interesting and and very moving in places as well. I mean, the performances are outstanding. I couldn't believe it when I saw the first uh, rushes. I was like, wow. These, you know, the actors are really good, and um, and I think it's got it's got a mood uh, through the whole thing that's very, uh, yeah, it's very powerful. It's a very powerful film. Do, and do you know? Have you got a deadline on that? Do you know if they're gonna? Because that's the thing, I guess, is that mm. I don't know whether studios are waiting to see what's going to happen with the yeah. lockdown if they're going to hold back for it to have a cinematic release, or whether it's like, well, we've done it, let's get it up on a, you know, because I think that it's actually it's. In a weird way, it's benefiting some smaller films. Like over mm. the last couple of weeks in particular, there's been things like a um, great little film called Calm With Horses, which mm. is absolutely extraordinary. And this guy uh, called, uh, he, he's, he goes by the name of Blank Mass, did mm-hmm. the, um, the score for it, and it's so good. But because there's no new big releases uh, mm. in terms of, because we can't go to the cinema and everything's going on mm. on sort of streaming services. This is getting a lot of attention, probably more so than it would have had it been the conventional way, um, yeah. which is a yeah. great thing, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, like uh, with this film, I mean, you know, it was aiming for the Toronto Film Festival, um, yeah. you know, to, 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 for that. But obviously that's, I mean, I, we don't know what's going to happen yet. I mean, last time I was on a film set, actually was with Andy. I kind of, I, I went it? over to the, uh, to, to he Venom. invited me just to, to pop in over yeah. and see, because he was in East London and I just kind of, but he broke his hip. Um, he was sadly, uh, broke his hip skiing. So he was yeah, kind of I saw him at BAFTA with his, his pimped up, um, yeah. pimped yeah. up walking stick that the, uh, the props department had, had pimped up for him to go to BAFTAs with some, some sparkles and things on it. He was on great form. Yeah, I mean, it's mad because I, I kind of, I'm, I'm used to seeing him bounding all over the place and kind of, you know, he's, he's got, I mean, he's got so much energy. I once, I mean, ages ago, I wrote a play that he was actually uh, doing some stuff in and um, he actually literally climbed up this kind of, climbed up this wall um, as, as, uh, but playing Albert Einstein. Oh my <laughs> so God. He literally climbed up this wall and like at phenomenal speed. And I was like, what the hell? I, I just, because obviously you've seen, I'd seen it. I didn't know he was a climber. I didn't know he was a mountain climber or anything yeah. like that. But I mean, I mean, since then I've I've learned a lot more about all that. But um, <laughs> but you know, I I kind of thought, well, hang on a minute. So what, Gollum? You were actually doing all that stuff. So then I learned more. You know, I was learning more about motion capture and stuff. But yeah, I mean, he's he's incredible. He's just he's such a force of uh, nature and such a lovely bloke as well. 
Well, those, those you know, the, the stuff that you guys have, have worked on over the years, you know, the, you know, going back to the video games, but then, but then also Mowgli and Breathe as well. I mean, beautiful, beautiful work you've created. Oh, thank you. Really, really, really stunning. I'm really excited to, to find out about this, to hear this, um, <laughs> this new film score as well. I love the idea of you doing sci-fi, particularly yeah. when you mentioned like Vangelis being an inspiration to you growing up and, and things like that. So that's exciting. Yeah, definitely. And it's, um, uh, I mean, it's a really powerful and interesting film. I, I, I think it has a kind of almost documentary style to it in places because it's very, um, it's very kind of, um, it's not didactic in any way. And I, yeah. I, I kind of find that really quite, I mean, in some ways I find that even stronger, even more emotionally powerful. It's very restrained, but in, in a way that kind of draws you in and you really feel empathy with the character in a way because the main character um, because of the fact that you don't have this kind of sense of being manipulated at any point it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. you're drawn into the story from from the first moment you've put um you've put winter's bone in my head now to be i've got to go and re-watch that film because I, I remember film. i think it was deborah granick's first film actually dickon hinchcliffe did the score for that as well who was oh. who's um who we've had on the show lovely lovely man actually really really mm. He used to be in Tinder Sticks. All oh, right. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. But when you just a couple more questions quickly before I let you go and speak to your the secret director of a secret project. And <laughs> um, what um, when you you know when you have all this difference, so you've got an album that you're finishing off. You've got TV shows that you're working on, and you've done so many of those, both in terms of fiction stuff but also those beautiful documentary you know series that you've worked on over the years you know and um, wonder monsoon and all that kind of stuff as well but and then film when you're sitting down to start work on a project is it always the same when you sit and start thinking about a project or is it or is it does film work differently to tv to work differently to to mm. you know nit and sony the the recording yeah. artist yeah all of it is really different i mean i look at everything as what project is this and what, what is the project saying and, what, and how can I help facilitate what it needs to say? Mm. Um, so, I mean, you know, for example, um, right now I'm, <laughs> I'm working, the TV series I'm working on is about the Sicilian Mafia. So it's kind of like, it's, awesome. so it's really interesting doing something like that and then jumping to a sci-fi movie and then jumping into my album. You know, it's kind of, but they're all very different things and they're interesting in, for different ways and challenging for different uh, reasons. So, I kind of, I, I love it that way because I, I think uh, you, everything cross-fertilizes, as you know, and yeah. it's like, you know, you're always, um, you're always learning from one thing or the other and that, that then feeds into how you look at the next project. So, yeah, project hopping is, is kind of like the way I love it. I, I find it really hard sometimes if I, you know, if I, if like with things like, so you, so you mentioned an, a Sicilian, you know, kind of, do you say mafia film? TV series. So like in my head, I've got kind of, you know, Nina Rota's kind of, you know, the, the Godfather mm. theme in my head. So you must go, I've got to get rid of all that stuff before, you know, because, because well, yeah, there are, there right. are, yeah, there are clouds of influence around everything really, isn't there? It's kind of to almost to kind of to have a clear sky. Thank you. 
Well, well, also, I mean, you know, the producers, obviously, I mean, like the thing is, they were kind of thinking, do we go down that route? Is yeah. that what we want? I mean, it's, it's, it's a documentary, um, but it's actually, it's a series. It's eight episodes. And oh, it's great. Um, and, and it's, but it's really interesting because, you, you know, you know, so it's, so the music is nothing that is predictable in that way. And, and so, you know, it's defined by the emotions and the feelings and, and what, what happens, of course, but it's kind yeah. of, it's built its own. I think what I really like most is when you have the chance to evolve a vocabulary you know, rather than saying here, here is how I'm going to approach it at the beginning, you evolve with the characters and with the mood of what you're looking at and, and, and the conversations you have and the psychology of everything. And I think when you do that, then I think the most interesting work comes out. And so this feels really, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying getting into this because yeah. it's kind of, it's so darkly psychological. So yeah. Right. This is brilliant. It sounds like we've kind of got all this lovely kind of drip feed of your work to come. So we've got the, these beautiful tracks, these two tracks from the album that we can, like I've been doing, like I've had it on loop. And you've got the album in September. And then do we know when any of the TV or film stuff's going to be? Is it going to be out? Well, uh, yeah, schedules are kind of everywhere. Yeah. TBC, so, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, that that's also the thing. I mean, you know, I, I heard on the grapevine that quite a lot of... Um, TV networks have had their schedules massively uh, curtailed or, or kind of, you know, that, that it's, um, it's been difficult for them to fulfill, you know, their schedules um, because a lot of stuff was due to be filmed or, uh, and, yeah. and can't be now. So um, I think at the moment there's so much that's up in the air, but I mean, it could lead to some exciting new work and I hope that's the case. Yeah. Oh, it's so nice to chat to you. Yeah, same to um, you. We still need to, you still need to teach me how to play Blackbird absolutely so maybe yeah, when you have a spare afternoon you can i mean it's going to take longer than an afternoon to teach me how to play blackbird but, but yeah, um, yeah i would love to yeah absolutely no let's do it well actually you know that we've got the opportunity to do it sooner or later now so it's kind of like yeah. you know now that now the whole world's kind of interacting this way yeah let's do it sometime amazing really so lovely to chat to you i'm really Thank looking you. forward to the album and um, take care stay safe Thank and you, uh, speak you to you soon Brilliant. Bye, Nathan. Thank you so much. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life. You were only waiting for this moment to arise. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life You are only waiting for this moment to be free Blackbird fly Blackbird fly Into the line of a dark black This moment to arrive. You were only waiting for this moment to arrive. The song that Nitten has 
promised to teach me. That is, of course, Blackbird by the Beatles. Rounding off this latest lockdown episode of Soundtracking with the multi-talented composer, producer and instrumentalist. A huge thanks to Nitin for taking the time to talk to me. We very much look forward to hearing his new album in September and the various other projects he's got on the boil. Meanwhile, now is as good a time as any to revisit his extraordinary body of work and also our previous episode with Nitin and Andy Circus from our BFI Live event back last year. Head to edithbowman.com, that's where you can listen to that, as well as all the other interviews I mentioned during the conversation, including Quentin Tarantino, and do subscribe whilst you're there. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, we are at Soundtracking UK, and get along to our YouTube channel as well to watch the weekly show I'm putting together with a few familiar faces from the world of film, music and TV. Next up, inspired by last week's chat with Jeff Barrow and Reg Weeks from Invader Records, I'll be speaking to Stranger Things composers Carl Dixon and Michael Stein. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. In the meantime, stay safe. <laughs>